0: Hi Peter, this is a message for uh, What Bitcoin Did podcast from the future, the year is actually 2043, Uh, I am 60 now, but I keep in good shape thanks to the carnivore diet, Uh, you have to know everybody switched to carnivore right now, Uh, the the last vegan died of diabetes in 2039, so now everybody has switched it. So the Bitcoin network is doing fine. Uh, the bioasics, the, the nano bioasics, the organic computers that are mining Bitcoin just found out the last block, block number one million eight hundred sixty-two thousand and three hundred and twenty-one. And just for your information, the block reward right now is exactly nine millions seven hundred sixty five thousand and six hundred and twenty five satoshis sets well sets are is the unit of account for everything here in the citadel uh, or or another citadel for for that matter we use the the, the symbol to indicate sets, which is you know the s with the stroke i think it was used back then for the pesos uh, for other some other fiat currency, I don't remember maybe oh that, that one in America, like the US dinner or something like that. But I don't remember. So everything is fine here. There is no modern art any, anywhere uh, anymore. so that that's solved, that's fixed. Uh, Bitcoin fixed that for good. Uh, not everything is perfect though. Uh, I mean, running a full validating Bitcoin node is still difficult to this day. Uh, thanks to the new neural, computer interface that uh, scientists developed in the citadel it's easy because uh, you just have to think about running a bitcoin node but you have to think about it very very intensely which can be a barrier to adoption for for noobs so um, i'm a little bit worried but i mean it's fine
1: hello there and welcome to a special episode of the what bitcoin did podcast because today is a massive milestone Yes, very, very cool. I've reached episode 250 of the show, which is really, really amazing. And so much has happened in the nearly three years since I launched the first episode when I was sat in L.A. I was with my buddy Justin. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to make a podcast. So I reached out to my friend Rich Roll, who has a podcast. He lives out in L.A. And he was like, Pete, here's all the gear you need and here's how you do it. So I went on Amazon. I bought all the gear. And then I reached out to Luke Martin, who was out in L.A. at the time. I said, come on, Luke, I'm going to launch a podcast. Will you come on it? And he said, yes. So, I jumped in an Uber up to his place, and we recorded that first show and And here we are nearly three years later, and two hundred fifty shows. It's been insane, it's been unbelievable. I feel so blessed. It, the podcast came at a time in my life when and I, I really needed something, like everything was a fucking disaster, everything had collapsed around me, and it just gave me something to focus on, and I feel so so lucky I've managed to travel the world with it from the USA multiple times, to Chile, I've been to Venezuela, I've been to Taiwan, Hong Kong, so many so many countries. There's something like 25 countries, I think, that I've done. I've also been fortunate to interview pretty much everyone in Bitcoin, and I've also been able to launch a second podcast covering other topics called Defiance, and also started making my first documentaries. And then I've got some other stuff that I'm working on, which I can't wait to tell you about. Honestly, I feel so blessed. And also, thank you, by the way, because when I have been traveling, it doesn't matter what city I go to, People are so hospitable, always looking after me. Specifically, I'm going to call somebody out here. Bitcoin mom, Cookie, Brooke Mallers, thank you. Every time I'm in Colorado, she looks after me. She makes me a steak. She gets my bed set up. Thank you, Brooke. But thank you to everyone. This show has really changed my life. And as I said, I just feel so lucky. And I couldn't do it without a bunch of people. So look. I'm going to do a few things. I'll try not to get emotional. So firstly, I want to say a massive thanks to all the sponsors, because without them, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Okay, firstly, and specifically, I'm going to call out Zach Prince from BlockFi, who was pretty much the first sponsor of the show, and he has stuck with me all the way through, all the crazy shit I do, all the stuff where sponsors should phone up and say, Pete, come on, get your shit together. He's like, no, I trust you, mate. Go ahead, do it. Also, a massive thanks to Jesse Powell from Kraken, who sponsors both this and Defiance, and that's enabled me to take on a team and expand what I'm doing. But listen, to all the sponsors, I don't want to list them because there's so many, but just all of you, thank you so much. I could not do this without you. Also, I want to say a massive thanks to all the guests. I couldn't make the show without you giving me your generous time. Even the ones I've fallen out with, and we're no longer friends, and the ones who have blocked me on Twitter. Still, I do appreciate you coming on the show. You give up your time for me, and without that, I couldn't have made this. And then to everyone who listens to the show, all of you, the ones who listen, the ones who leave reviews, the ones who share it, all the people who write me emails. It's amazing. So thank you so, so much. Okay, to mark the occasion... I'm going to be releasing two episodes today. And the first one's just a little bit of fun. And I stole the idea from Laura Shin. She did something like this a while ago. I did let her know. I said, Laura, I'm going to steal your idea. And she's also contributed. But what I've got here for this episode, I've reached out to a bunch of my previous guests and said, look, just send me one thing about Bitcoin. Tell me one thing about Bitcoin and we'll put it together. I've also got another show coming out with this. It's like a double bill today where I've got five regular What Bitcoin Did guests to come on and just talk about a bunch of issues relating to Bitcoin right now. So yeah, two episodes today. so I hope you enjoy them both. Anyway, onwards and hopefully another 250 episodes, I'll be interested to see where we are around that time. If you do want to reach out to me, my emails have always been open. It's hello at did.com. It looks like it's going to be an interesting couple of years for Bitcoin, so yeah, let's fucking go. Okay, so firstly, we're going to hear from my four sponsors. So we've got Jesse from Kraken, Zach from BlockFi, Nick from Casa, and Justin from sportsbet.io.
2: I'm Jesse Powell, co-founder and CEO of Kraken. What you need to know about Bitcoin is that it is provably finite. It cannot be infinitely printed like fiat currencies and it has not been mined and hoarded by aliens for billions of years.
3: Hey, this is Zach Prince. I'm the founder and CEO at BlockFi. One thing I wanted to say about Bitcoin is that it's uh, this incredibly unique asset that has not only store of value properties, uh, kind of like a digital gold, but it's also got this incredible ecosystem of uh, entrepreneurs and individuals and uh, crypto specific and traditional companies supporting it. And I think all of those things together make it one of the most unique and exciting investments of our lifetime. Thanks. This is Nick Newman, the CEO of Casa, where we make it easy for anyone to buy and secure Bitcoin while keeping full control of your private keys. I love Bitcoin because it's the first digital money that allows people to have true ownership of their money and savings. We can have true ownership over physical money like cash or gold, but we've always had to entrust digital money to a bank. We've had to rely on someone else to keep our money safe, which in today's world is never a sure thing. With Bitcoin, all we really have to rely on is ourselves. It's a big responsibility but it's incredibly empowering and completely changes the way we interact with our money.
1: Hey guys, Justin from sportsbet.io here. Uh, congratulations on making it 250 episodes, Pete. It's just an amazing achievement. Uh, well, uh, one thing about Bitcoin, it's only as strong as those who support it. And the road to mass adoption starts for you guys, the, the listeners. So let's get out there and shout about it to anyone who will listen. And let's get Bitcoin to the moon
4: howdy folks caitlin long here from the cowboy state of wyoming where your host peter mccormick and i have put down a few beers together while he was here at Wyo Hackathon, he asked me to comment about what bitcoin is to me and and simply put bitcoin is an honest ledger we all want the fruits of our labor to be accounted for on an honest ledger not one where value is being skimmed off from us in ways that are difficult to detect It's all about simple fairness, and that is the guiding principle for societies. And if we don't have an honest ledger, what we have is a breakdown in the social fabric. And Bitcoin, to me, is the most honest of honest ledgers because it has a very strict emission schedule that is known and predictable and cannot be changed. And very soon, within the next four years, at the next halvening, Bitcoin will be history's hardest money.
5: Hello, my name is Nick Carter, and I am a partner at Castle Island Ventures, which is a Bitcoin and public blockchain focused venture firm, and the co-found- one of the co-founders of Coinmetrics, a blockchain analytics startup. One thing I think about in the context of Bitcoin is that it is a neutral monetary technology, which means that nobody really has privileged access to the issuance of money. Now this contrasts with the way that central banks work, where there is a privileged class of individuals that have access to the money spigot. But even though Bitcoin is neutral, its imposition on the world is profoundly non-neutral because it's upsetting the existing order. So when you have a new monetary technology, it does disempower the people that benefited from the old order. So we have something that is politically neutral in theory, but when it collides with the real world, it's incredibly messy and chaotic. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in the coming years.
6: Hey, Peter, Preston Pish here. Super pumped for you. Uh, 250 episodes is a major achievement and just a ton of work. (laughs) For people that aren't in the space, it's a ton of work. Uh, The one thing I wanted to say about Bitcoin was just, this is an exciting time because I mean, we have never been in a situation on a global scale where money could be completely decentralized and that's what you know when I'm looking at this entire space this entire movement that's what it really comes down to is taking money decentralizing it pegging it and it really kind of being for everybody and not just the the select few that are able to control of what we've seen historically being able to control that so i think moving forward in the in the coming years as things continue to progress one of the most important things that i think people need to think about when they think about where they want to store their value. They need to think about which protocol gives me the voting rights or provides the voting rights to the largest number of people to protect that decentralization. And For me personally, that that comes with the Bitcoin protocol because you, you have all these full nodes that are running. You got it pegged at 21 million. It's easy to determine what that number is at any point in time or any block. And uh, it seems to have a ton of momentum moving forward. And when you think about that in the backdrop of everything else that's happening in the global economy from a central banking standpoint and the amount of printing that's, that's taking place, you couldn't find a more exciting space to be in right now. And so uh, I'm very, very excited to be a member of this community and uh, afforded this opportunity to, to say a short bit about my thoughts on Bitcoin. So. Again, Peter, congrats on the 250 episodes and thank you for your amazing contributions to this space.
3: Hey, it's American Hoddle. If I had to say one thing about Bitcoin, I would say that in a world built on lies, deceptions, half-truths, and narratives, I don't see anything more profound or impactful to do with my life than protecting the fucking truth machine. Let's go. Also, Trump 2020, bitch. Peter, your half of bitcoins is as good as mine, bro.
7: Hey, it's Shinobi. And uh, I'm the co-host of a small Bitcoin podcast called Block Digest. But uh, my little snippet for Peter's 250th episode is just um, purity tests over what is or isn't Bitcoin are a gigantic waste of time. Um. You have the Lightning Network, you have Liquid, you have exchange databases, you have custodians that will mint Bitcoin back tokens on Ethereum. And all of these things are Bitcoin. They just have radically different security models. And really at the end of the day, um, nothing is going to pass a purity test on that degree except main chain Bitcoin, which is never going to scale or be accessible enough. So, you know, stop having the purity battle. Um, pick the security models you're comfortable with and use them. It's all Bitcoin.
3: Hi, this is Jameson Lopp, co-founder and CTO of CASA. The Bitcoin ecosystem has come a long way in the nearly three years since Peter McCormick first visited me to record one of his early episodes of what Bitcoin did. After weathering yet another multi year bear market where many people lost faith, but the builders continued to build, we are once again seeing an emergence of Bitcoin into mainstream consciousness. The world is beginning to understand that the financial ecosystem may not be as robust and reliable as they thought. So, where will we go from here? will continue to build an alternative and as people realize that an alternative is desperately needed we'll see bitcoin continue to rise stay with me for the journey because it's going to be a wild ride
8: hey peter this is max from hodl hodl so what is bitcoin for me um sexually there could be a tons of answers uh, to that question. First of all is freedom, freedom to interact financially with other people, freedom to do with your finances, what you want to do, freedom of not being dependent on any government issued money, or money printing or something else. It's also a tool, uh, a very unique, and a great tool to build financial solutions that are free from borders, uh, free from any middleman, and that allow people to become actually more free. And finally, I think for me, Bitcoin is also an essence of decentralized finance and an essence of fintech. Uh, It's a, I don't know, it's a jewel of fintech that basically allows you to do whatever you want. And it gives you a freedom of expression in building things and doing whatever you want. So yeah, in the end, it's freedom.
9: Hi, it's Neil Woodfine here from Blockstream. So one thing I wanted to get off my chest relating to Bitcoin is uh, that bored of all the mudslinging on price predictions and claims about Bitcoin's effects on society. So yeah, okay, Bitcoin might break at some point in the future, We probably all need to be a bit more realistic about that. There are bugs and attack vectors that we haven't discovered yet. But the point is, what happens if Bitcoin doesn't break? Fiat currencies all around the world are slowly self-imploding. Bitcoin is is more attractive in general in the first place. And there are things that logically follow from that, like adoption. And adoption leads to two things. One, the price goes up and two, fiat currencies fail. It's a zero sum game between the two. And so if Bitcoin, which is inflation-resistant, replaces fiat currencies, what happens then? Sure, we can't know for certain how the future will pan out, but there are some things, really basic things, that we can logically predict. Um, For example, if the value of money is increasing with the economy, people are going to be more inclined to save, and governments will find it harder to finance themselves if money is more expensive. so like these price predictions and social predictions, they're not in conflict with the tech. Um, for, like for certain it's going to increase pressure on, on people building the tech, but like tough luck because this is a scarce asset and people are going to speculate on it like crazy. So yeah, I hope Bitcoin is out there find a way to synergize the two sets of ideas. And uh, even if you think hyper-Bitcoinization, has a low chance of success and is decades away, the, the, the scale of the changes that it would bring about mean that it would be crazy not to prepare.
10: I'm Ricardo Spagni, although you probably have heard of me as Fluffy Pony, which is my Twitter handle. I am a maintainer on the Monero project. Monero is a privacy-enhancing cryptocurrency. I'm also the co-founder at Tari Labs, which is building Tari, a decentralized assets protocol and I co-founded Globy, a cryptocurrency payments gateway. I've been involved with Bitcoin for over nine years, uh, and Bitcoin itself has been around for nearly 12 years, so I've been along for the bulk of that journey. I'm really excited about everything that's happened with Bitcoin in terms of development and advancement of applied cryptography up to now, and I'm really excited to see what happens in the next decade. I think that Bitcoin's growth and improvement, whilst it may seem conservative to some, reflects a core set of values that really highlights self-sovereignty and safety above all. I'd like to see more focus on the privacy side, and I'm confident that will happen. So yes to the next 10 years of Bitcoin development.
11: Hey, my name is Robert Breedlove. I am the founder, chief executive officer, and chief investment officer for Parallax Digital. Uh, We are a global multi-strategy crypto-asset hedge fund, and I'm here today to talk about Bitcoin a little bit. So in the grandest sense, Bitcoin is the truth. Um, It's a source of indisputable facts generated in blocks of transactions once every 10 minutes. Uh, The rules governing Bitcoin are optimized for its users and are 100% transparent for all to see and agree upon. And this stands in contradistinction to central banking, where the rules are optimized for the governors of the system at the expense of users, of course, and are one hundred percent opaque so for instance, with dollars here in the US, uh, we don't you know no one knows how many are in existence. Um, no one knows how many will be produced, or no one even knows what the criteria are for deciding how many to produce or when to produce them. Um, we, in fact, don't even know who profits from dollar creation. The, the Fed is owned by a set of undisclosed shareholders who are paid a 6% annual dividend, by the way, just for printing money that we use. Um, so it's really important to understand, you know, central banking, it's not a free-market phenomenon like all other industries in the world. It is a legal monopoly, and legal monopolies are economic tyrannies. Um, if the rules are not freely determined, for a given institution by consenting market participants, then coercion and violence become a necessary uh, factor to impose compliance with rules because people don't want to follow rules that they didn't agree to. So this Soviet-style economic model was proven to be untenable over the long run repeatedly in the 20th century. You know, we saw the collapse of Soviet, Soviet Russia um, and we've seen kind of the, the resurgence of democracy in, in other areas of the world. And really importantly, in a moral sense, legal monopolies like central banking, they're just pathological hierarchies um, designed to control people. That's all they really are. And, you know, with Bitcoin as a purely free market capitalist money, we find a humanitarian movement that is heretical to the dominion of central banking. Since Bitcoin cannot be confiscated, it cannot be inflated and it can't even be stopped. Um, It is disruptive to the central banking business model, which is premised on perpetual confiscation via inflation. And uh, one of my favorite authors, Jordan Peterson, um, framed this up really nicely when he said, God is expressed in the truthful speech that rectifies pathological hierarchies. And Bitcoin being the truth it is rectifying the pathological and sinful hierarchy that central banking represents. Um, put another way, as, as Benjamin Franklin said, that rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. So I think in this sense, I really believe Bitcoin is God's money. Um, it is the antidote to central bank corruption and um, a force emancipating the world from, from state tyranny.
12: What's going on, guys? This is Nathaniel Whittemore, host of the Breakdown Podcast, and one thing that you might not know about me is that I thought that I was going to spend my life on post-conflict reconstruction, so I spent my early 20s in places like Rwanda and Uganda and the Middle East and the Balkans just kind of trying to rub my nose in the hardest situations that humans have to deal with. Now, as is obviously clear, that's not the path that my life ultimately took, but one of the reasons that I got into Bitcoin was the potential for this technology to make a meaningful difference in the lives of people who are experiencing the fallout of war or political or economic conflict. Now, there's recently been a conversation, which I think is super important, about why Bitcoiners shouldn't overstate how useful this technology is right now, why Bitcoin doesn't in fact, quote, fix this in every situation. And I agree in the sense that we need to never fall into the traps of hyperbole when we talk about applicability. The flip side of that, however, is that I don't think that we should be dismissive of just how transformational it is that for the technologically enfranchised, this alternative to state money exists. For some number of people, they will be able to move their resources, their wealth, their assets, whatever they've been able to save, out of a compromised regime and into something that is so much harder to confiscate, to steal, and otherwise disrupt. That's something that wasn't possible a decade ago and now is. And every year, we're going to make more progress on how people in every part of the world, in every context in the world, can use this technology to assert more autonomy and economic control over their lives, even when facing horrible circumstances. So, yes, we should be careful not to prematurely lionize a technology which still has a long way to go to reach its potential. But man, we also shouldn't be dismissive of that potential and just how meaningful it is when you've spent time with these families who have been totally disrupted by having to leave behind everything they have to
13: escape some regime or another. What is up, guys? Matt O'Dell here. Consider donating to Bitcoin Development by going to bitcoindevlist.com. There you can find individual donation pages for any Bitcoin developers who have chosen to opt into that website. Um, It is hosted on GitHub. So if you are a Bitcoin developer or you're just otherwise working on a Bitcoin project, you don't even have to be a developer, go to, go to the GitHub page and uh, submit a PR and we'll get you added right up there. And if you're not working on a Bitcoin project, but you're just a humble Bitcoiner, consider helping to fund them because that keeps them independent and that way they can focus on building uh, rather than all the other distractions that life throws their way. Cheers.
14: My name is Javier Bastardo. I'm from Venezuela. I work as a freelancer writer at Cointelegraph in Español. I'm also the organizer of Satoshi in Venezuela. That is an educational project uh, focused on Bitcoin only here in Venezuela. And I really like to say about Bitcoin that it could help the individuals. I think that people that said that it will save uh, Venezuela, Argentina, Ethiopia it will change all the world around are a kind of delusional because it still being a tool and we need the people, we need the individuals to take actions with that tool so liberate yourself and save you with Bitcoin and then You can save other people
15: hey peter it's laura shin of the unchained podcast congrats on reaching your 250th episode that's quite the achievement i'm very proud of you so if i were to say one thing about bitcoin it's probably that even though i'm following this as a journalist I think we could say that the facts bear out to support what some of my sources say. So for instance, when Wences Casares says that this is the best form of money we've ever had, I would say that yes, when you look at the technology, this is clearly the best form of money that we've ever had. I'm not making comment on the monetary policy. (laughs) However... Um, the technology for sure is obviously superior to seashells and paper money and coins. Um, and the additional thing I would say is that when sources also say that Bitcoin is the honey badger of money, I would probably also have to agree with that when we look at the various attacks that Bitcoin has sustained from Critics from Wall Street and from different governments, yes, (laughs) it does look like Bitcoin is the honey badger of money. So that's what I have to say from my perspective covering this story, and I'm so excited to keep covering it in the years to come, and I hope that this works for your show. All right, thanks so much, and again, congrats.
16: This is Max
15: and Stacy
16: of Orange Pill Podcast and Kaiser Report. We are so excited to be on Peter McCormick's What Bitcoin Did compilation for his 250th episode. Max and I know what it's like to get there, right Max?
5: Oh yeah, I remember Peter starting out in this business. He was uh, originally, um, I think, an oil uh, rigger up in Alaska or a fisherman up there, a crab fisherman. And they, he found Bitcoin and decided to start a podcast and the rest is history.
16: Well, in fact, Peter McCormick is the king of Bedford, United Kingdom, Bedford, England. So, you know, he has a long history in the whole space of awesomeness. Now, Max Kaiser, what do you think Bitcoin is? When you hear Bitcoin, Bitcoin is big. Bitcoin is beautiful. Bitcoin is orange. Bitcoin is, oh, love itself.
5: Since the block 300,000 or so, I've Notice that it's become self-aware. So Bitcoin is channeling or hacking God into our cosmic universe to try to reprogram humanity so we don't all destroy each other. I think that's pretty clear.
16: Bitcoin is sexy AF. It is so sexy, I like to stick it right into Max's brain. It blows his mind and we fall in love.
5: Yeah, that's right. That happens on a daily basis with every block, every, every 10 minutes that happens. That's right. Peter, congratulations, and hopefully many more to come. (laughs) What fun.
9: Hey, this is Cameron Winklevoss, co-founder of Gemini. To me, Bitcoin represents greater choice, independence, and opportunity for all. Hey, everyone. This is Tyler Winklevoss, co-founder of Gemini. To me, Bitcoin is the blueprint for the decentralization of anything
17: what's up guys i am guy swan host of the bitcoin audible podcast i have been exploring the bitcoin rabbit hole for close to a decade now and still have not found all of its corners and continue to see greater potential and clarity in the future that it could actually bring us i think bitcoin is nothing short of revolutionary it's not just a technological one It's profound from a cryptographic systems perspective, a sociological one, a cultural and philosophical one, a financial assets and assurances perspective, and so much more. I've made it a mission of mine to learn every element of this system from as many perspectives as possible and to share and teach it to anyone who, who hopes to learn it. I have numerous formats for the episodes, but the main content is audible versions of the best works written in all the disciplines in and around Bitcoin that help us shed light on the awesome potential of this new system that we're truly lucky enough to watch grow. I've uh, read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know, as I say on the podcast, so if you want to join my exploration of the Bitcoin rabbit hole you can find me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy or at the podcast handle at Bitcoin Audible. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.
18: Hello, Keith Levine here uh, at Real BTC Granny. Uh, Pete McCormack asked me to say one good thing about Bitcoin, which is like put me on tilt for the last two days. So I've come up with this. The toilet paper they give you these days, the the coupons that they they call money, pound notes, fiat currency, you can actually use it to buy Bitcoin with it. So you can turn this toilet paper into hard money, money with value, okay? And you can propagate that back into the community in the future. Bitcoin is a bare instrument. It's the last word. No proof necessary.
5: Hi, this is Jimmy Song, and I am recording for Peter McCormick's 250th episode of What Bitcoin Did. What Bitcoin has done is it's gone from something that was a, uh, an intellectual plaything for computer programmers and cypherpunks to a global store of value that everyone is using in order to protect themselves from inflation and many other evils. I think this is a great time to celebrate the fact that Bitcoin has survived, and not just survived, but thrived in this uh, in this time of economic uncertainty. Uh, thank you for everyone that listens to the show and supports Bitcoin. This is Aron van Wiedem, Technical
19: Editor at Bitcoin Magazine, and I will read a limerick for you. I didn't write the limerick myself. It was written by... Hal the inventor of Arpao and the recipient of the first ever Bitcoin transaction. He wrote the limerick in June 2011. So here we go. There once was a girl from Des Moines, whose breasts were as fine as her loins. She said, I'll do tricks for dollars, make all my guys holler, but I save my best stuff for Bitcoins. I actually added the, she said, because part of the Limerick is in quotes. So you got the audio special there.
20: What's up, What Bitcoin Did listeners? Welcome to the 250th episode. My name is Mark Weinstein and I am an angel investor and startup advisor in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. I've invested in companies like Swan Bitcoin that are focused on accelerating the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem. One of the most interesting things about Bitcoin to me today is that there are only, by some estimates, 50 million Bitcoin wallets in the world out of an 8 billion person global population. We're talking about less than half a percent of the entire global population holds any cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin. And so we still have a long way to go. If you're here, you're early. Just hold right out the volatility, and I expect that there'll be massive acceleration in the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem over the next decade.
16: Hi, everyone. This is Meltem Demir's, and I'm with CoinShares. I'm working on making Bitcoin accessible to investors, institutions, and everyone in between. So episode 250, here we are. This is amazing. Congrats to you, Peter. One thought about Bitcoin that I want to share with all of you. We are living through one of the biggest events in human history. And as our world changes, so does Bitcoin's place in it. At this point, it would be irresponsible to not consider Bitcoin in this brave new world. And also, read more sci-fi. It's a great, great genre.
19: My name is Tone Vase, and I am a content creator in the crypto space, along with organizing several awesome conferences. So, what is my view on Bitcoin? To me, Bitcoin is the combination of three incredible properties that nothing else in the world has. One of them is unconfiscatability. For the first time, uh humans have the ability to own something of value, and if they properly protect it, no one can take that away. Number two, it is censorship-resistant value transfer. It's not always cheap, it's not always fast, it's not always private, but it will get there without the need for a third party. And finally, Bitcoin has harder properties than gold. It is a true solution to politically neutral money where you know the inflation rate. Hope you guys enjoy Bitcoin as much as I do.
21: This is Hotep Jesus, aka Brian Sharp, represent CoinBitTap.com.
3: Bro, who's ever not in Bitcoin,
8: crypto by now?
3: It's going to be in a rude awakening. They're going to be in for a rude awakening. The world is going digital, the money's going digital, and they're going to have a tough time adjusting when it's too late. And when the whole world goes to digital currency, Bitcoin's gonna go to the
21: moon. People are gonna wish, they're gonna wish they were in. My name is Balaji Srinivasan. I'm at com. Bitcoin at 100 billion is an industry, Bitcoin at a trillion is a government, and Bitcoin at 10 trillion is a world government and the leader of the free world
17: hi i'm knut swanom and i'm the author of bitcoin sovereignty through mathematics and bitcoin independence reimagined and i think if you're a libertarian if you believe in a non-violent society and uh, if you believe in free markets and you're not into bitcoin you're wasting your time this is it This is the one shot we have at a free society.
22: Hey everyone, this is Eric Voorhees at Shapeshift. For those who are new to this Bitcoin project, welcome. You have discovered the future, a technology so profound, it will shape the very fabric of society. And this fabric is in woeful need of shaping. There is a darker world ahead, a world of failing governments and collapsing currencies. The fiat financial system, so integral to our lives, is backed by nothing but the increasing impotence of politicians. The world is printing its way into darkness. Yet that darkness needn't consume us, for we found the way out. We discovered new ground upon which to build an open and honest system of money for all people on earth. That's what you're all part of now. So do we sit with knowing comfort in our discovery, or do we struggle ahead to build the bridge for others? Peter, your show is part of that bridge. Thank you for building with us, and congratulations on 250 episodes. It is the catalog of an early revolution. Hey Pete, this is Alan Lane at Silvergate. Congratulations on episode number 250. Back in 2013, we bought into the idea that Bitcoin has the potential to disrupt finance, and we're seeing that play out before our eyes. It's certainly transformed our business at Silvergate, and we feel like we're just getting started. It's great to be a Bitcoin banker. We know that a lot of our customers and investors listen to your show. Thank you for providing great coverage of the industry and good luck on the next 250 episodes.
18: Hey, Willy Woo here, big shout out to Peter McCormack on his 250th show, wow, this just shows me the strength of the interest in the space, Um, it's been what, 12 years since Satoshi launched his white paper and birthed Bitcoin to the world, from its cypherpunk roots to Silk Road to the investors now that are understanding exactly what Bitcoin is, which is the internet money for the digital age we will live in. So, um, you know, I look outside now and we're on the precipice of money printers going on burr and gold mooning as if there's no confidence in the status quo. What I'm seeing right now is Bitcoin is on its next bull run. And of course, with each cycle, there's different themes. And I believe this is the cycle where we look back and Bitcoin shook off the idea that it's risky new tech and it proved itself as a new trusted asset class that we can store money in i'm pretty sure we'll achieve this and everyone listening on this show um you're early on the curve and that's something to be proud of
23: this is parker lewis from unchained capital i'm a bitcoiner a texan and a wannabe writer Um, I've become friends with Peter over the past few years. I've been a guest on the show, and I just wanted to quickly share my thoughts on Bitcoin for the What Bitcoin Did audience. Um, in my opinion, Bitcoin is not just a hedge; it's much more than that. Um, it is the solution to the world's greatest problem, and and, and that is a problem with our money. Um, it's a problem that everyone practically experiences, but that few recognize or understand. Um, and Bitcoin is the path to opt out of economic instability and into a structurally more sound monetary system. In that regard bitcoin is a necessity and in my view it is inevitable lastly peter thanks for all that you do peace out until we meet again
24: hello everyone who listens to what bitcoin did Uh, this is pete rizzo i was editor for coindesk now at kraken uh yeah long time Bitcoin journalist um hmm, something about Bitcoin. I think the thing that I'm increasingly thinking about is that you know we've been humbled a lot by defeats over the years in Bitcoin, but perhaps never humbled by success. Um, I think the more that I think about it, I think the next bull run probably will be a really weird experience for us. I think we need to start kind of reckoning with the idea that, you know, if traditional economies like really collapse, financial services collapse, I mean, we're going to have to step into that position, right? So I don't know. I just increasingly kind of think it'll be a humbling experience. I think, um, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be as much fun as the last one, and and maybe that's a good thing. So uh, sobering thoughts I leave you with.
13: Hi, I'm Stefan Levera, host of Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. I'm also co-founder of ministryofnodes.com.au, a Bitcoin educational project. Bitcoin is digital hard money, defensive technology that gives more power to individuals, families and communities, and it takes power away from politicians and bureaucrats. So who knows where all this is going, but my view is, over time, we will see more and more people come to Bitcoin, whether they conceptually understand the problems of fiat money or not. And Bitcoin will drive shifts in society's culture, the way we live and work, and it'll spur the creation and use of other defensive technologies. Bitcoin is about learning to become financially sovereign as we move into an era of sovereign individuals who are less beholden to corrupt and oppressive governments. We'll have our own places called Bitcoin Citadels. I'll see you in the Citadels.
21: Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. How are you, bruv? <clears throat> What's going on, bro? I'm already, of course, as you can see, uh, recording uh, stuff for my YouTube channel, so um, thought I'd just throw this in here uh, after I'm done recording my regular stuff, record something here. <clears throat> so I hope you've been well, man. I uh, hope everything's going good. He's uh, you, still pretty still pretty freaking huge in the community, so I'm pretty sure everything's going good. Uh, Alright, so let's just do this quick thing here. Hello, my name is Vortex, and I had a podcast from 2015 to 2019 called the Bitcoin New Show. And I've been commenting on Bitcoin now for about seven years. And the one thing I really want to say about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is and that is enough. Now, of course, that's put pretty simply, but what I mean by that is that Bitcoin is an idea whose time has come. This is something the world very, very badly needs. And so it's been an absolute fantastic experience to watch it grow and develop and to play hopefully a small part in its success. There's been a lot of ups and there's been a lot of downs in the Bitcoin community and the Bitcoin ecosystem, but yet still it continues to grow. And that core, core model and core strength of separation of money and state still flows through the veins of every Bitcoiner. And as we round $1, $10, $100, $1,000, $10,000, and eventually $100,000 and beyond, the one takeaway we have to remember is that Bitcoin is the people's money. This is a decentralized project available to every single person on the planet with an internet connection. So thank you, Peter, so much for this opportunity. Your podcasts and your voice in the space has been invaluable to so many Bitcoiners out there. And we'll see all you guys at the next Having.
25: Hello Peter, Hello what Bitcoin did fans. My name is Anita Posh and I’m a Bitcoin educator and podcaster too. I have been to Zimbabwe earlier this year to find out if Bitcoin has the utility that I’m seeking for, which is to be a tool and money for the financial inclusion for billions of people around the world be it in Africa, South America, or the millions of underserved and excluded groups like black and Hispanic people in the US or women around the globe who have no access to financial services. Bitcoin is the democratization of money. Everybody has the same chance to be a part of it and use it as an uncensorable medium of exchange and store of value. At the same time, it is an exit out of the legacy system that is built on everlasting growth, constantly devalues currencies and benefits holders of financial assets and the financial elites.
26: Hello, Peter McCormick, Bill and Brooke Mallers calling. Congratulations on the landmark, uh, yeah, on the, land, on the 250th episode. And yes, if I get a minute to talk to your listeners, I will tell them that you are participating in really. I've been in the financial market since I got out of high school in 1977, and I have never seen a more powerful and transformative, and just flat out fascinating, financial instrument than Bitcoin. The philosopher. Daniel Dennett described truly transformative ideas, and he liked to use the the mental image of universal acid. So, uh, imagine the sci-fi movie where the guy spills the acid and it eats through the floor. Well, how about a universal acid? What is that not going to devour? Where would it stop? Center of the earth? I don't know. It's going to eat whatever it touches. Bitcoin is, I think, is going to eat whatever it touches. Um, And you buy a Bitcoin, you get to participate. Or a fraction. Being a Bitcoiner, you get to participate in a transformative, universal asset-like protocol. Um, I'm excited. Congratulations, Pete.
4: Congrats, Peter. We love you.
26: This is Travis Kling, Chief Investment Officer of Ikigai Asset Management.
22: Peter, congratulations on your 250th episode. Keep up all the great work. I appreciate you letting me take part in a few of those episodes over the last um, 18 months or so. So I'm going to leave people with, uh, with one thought. It's pretty straightforward. Bitcoin is a non-sovereign, hard-cap supply, global, immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. It's an insurance policy against monetary and fiscal policy irresponsibility from central banks and governments globally. And the world needs that more today than they did yesterday. And they're going to need it more tomorrow than we need it today.
13: It's Alex Svetsky here from Amber down in Australia world's first dca app bitcoin bitcoin is the thing that i have found uh, for the first time in my life that's really been able to enthrall me and keep me captivated for for day upon day week on week month on month and year on year there's um there's nothing that i found so interesting or so multidisciplinary, um and really you know i i, I grew up always saying that people should find something that they would die for and go and live for that and you know bitcoin represents represents that for me not not just because of what it is but um for what it stands for in terms of freedom and um and personal sovereignty and things like that so super important for me
27: hello this is ragnar leaf i'm the founder of Gunsandbitcoin.com. what i want to say about bitcoin is that it's built on two foundations first it's a peer-to-peer network and second pseudonymity to the extent that you use Bitcoin peer-to-peer, and to the extent that you are remaining pseudonymous, you are using Bitcoin to its full extent and power. On the other hand, to the extent that you are using third parties, to the extent that you are attaching your identity to your Bitcoin transactions, you aren't using Bitcoin. Or at least you're using it Bitcoin in such a watered-down way that it's probably better just to use another technology. Hi, this is Tad Strijja. I work at the MIT Digital
6: Currency Initiative. Uh, One remarkable thing about Bitcoin is that it's still working. Um, So it's been over a decade. And despite all the naysayers, all the problems, all the things it's gone through, uh, Bitcoin's still working and pretty much better than ever. Um, And that's great. It's giving people a lot of control over their money and, you know, freedom over what they're doing with it, uh, much more so than credit cards or bank accounts or alternatives. And, that's really important. And so I think for the next decade going forward, I hope it certainly continues to work and works even better than today because I think we'll need it.
12: This is Samson Moe from Blockstream. Bitcoin is the only way for us to prevent a dystopian future from becoming reality. Mike drop.
22: I'm Jeremy Welch. I'm a founder of Casa, the security company. And uh, Bitcoin is boring. That is a good thing. Uh, It is one of the most revolutionary technologies of our lifetime, in part because of its resilience and its stability that comes from um, the distributed system design and the incentives design um, that Satoshi laid out. So uh, boring is a great attribute. Bitcoin is a solid rock foundation and the world will change around it. But thankfully, Bitcoin itself is uh, boring.
4: Hey Peter,
5: this is Christian Decker, the Lightning developer at Blockstream. Congratulations on episode 250. Did you imagine getting here when you first started the podcast? Well, I certainly didn't when I first heard about this newfangled Bitcoin thing over 11 years ago. We've come a long way since then, but it is more exciting than ever, and we're just getting started. So keep up the good work and keep everybody up to date with what Bitcoin did. Cheers.
3: Hey guys, Luke Martin here. Bitcoin is the single greatest trade that any of us will ever see in our lifetime. If you're looking to store your wealth for the next 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, you're a young investor like myself, this right here is the best opportunity you're going to get. This isn't a Bitcoin versus gold story. Gold has a $6 trillion market cap. This is a Bitcoin versus every other store of value asset. Comparing the market cap of real estate as a store of value, fine art, you have gold, obviously, collectibles. Bitcoin is going to slowly eat into all of those because it has superior traits, absolute scarcity. It's portable. It's decentralized. No one can change the supply of Bitcoin. They can change the supply of all those other things, and the world is going to slowly wake up to that. And that fact alone should keep you pretty excited about what's to come in the future for Bitcoin.
2: Cheers. Hello, my name is Alejandro Machado. I'm a co-founder of the Open Money Initiative and head of research at Value. I will say one thing about Bitcoin. It's the most liquid digital asset that any person can hold. Only access to a computer or smartphone is needed. Here's why this is such a big deal. Most people living in closed economies like Venezuela, Lebanon and Iran used to only have access to digital money systems that were controlled by their local authorities. Venezuelans have wanted to avoid the Bolivar's high inflation for decades, but up until now, only the privileged few with access to bank accounts in, say, the United States, could store their wealth in a stable currency. Bitcoin allows anyone to own and move digital money. And since it has fostered a large peer-to-peer trading ecosystem, there are ramps to and from Bitcoin for most local currencies in the world. In Venezuela, my teams have observed that what people really want is US dollar exposure. So Bitcoin backed crypto dollars that are easy to exchange to other currencies are interesting and valuable. I encourage you to invest in Bitcoin research in closed economies. Thank you.
24: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Pop. Peter's the man. He keeps crushing it. I wish more people would create content like he does. I feel like Peter's been doing a great net positive for Bitcoin. My man, keep it up. I'm enjoying all the content. I'm rooting for you. Talk soon.
12: Hello, NVK here. Maker of Cold Card and Open Dime. Just checking in to say that Bitcoin is the black hole that will just suck up all the world's finance
27: hey i'm ben prentice co-creator of wtf happened in 1971.com listen inflation is one of the greatest problems society faces today it incentivizes debt slavery destroys price signals and purchasing power creates winners and losers stratifies wealth increases the hoarding of assets like real estate pricing us out of homeownership leads to malinvestment and zombie businesses, and ultimately has left us with a society without savings or hope for the future. But don't worry, Bitcoin fixes this. This is Ari Paul with Block Tower Capital. It's amazing how far Bitcoin has come. Most people around the world have heard of it. A non-trivial percentage of people in the developed world own it. Pensions, endowments, family offices, many own it directly or indirectly. We have hash power that is secured by, by many billions of dollars of hardware. It's, it's an incredible place to be, and yet we have so much further to go. Bitcoin today still falls very meaningfully short of Satoshi's vision of a truly censorship and seizure-resistant store value and payment rail. Bitcoin currently runs on what is basically centralized internet architecture. Even with coin mixing, it can be de-anonymized by governments who have access to ISP information. Routing around those ISPs is possible, but requires trusting other centralized entities. We need an entire decentralized infrastructure underlying Bitcoin for it to fulfill its vision. So far to go.
5: Hey Peter, it's Desiree Dickerson. Um, I am with Lightning Labs and what I want to say about Bitcoin um, is Bitcoin doesn't fix everything. It doesn't fix a hangover. Um, but I am looking forward to a future of ubiquitous lightning
4: payments.
22: Hi, this is Sergey from BitRefield. The most important thing about Bitcoin is that it's built for you to do whatever the hell you want with it. Both as money as tech, it's the closest thing that we have to financial freedom. Now, different people use it for different things, and so they value different of its properties. Many of them will gladly offer you their favorite properties as advice. Do this, don't do that. Some of the advice is good, some is bad. You can absolutely mess it up. But you're the one deciding. And that's the beauty of it. That you have the freedom.
14: Hi there,
20: I'm Nopara, the creator of Wasabi Wallet. If anyone is going to hold your money, then it should be you.
3: Hi guys, this is Dan Held growth lead at Kraken, and I wanted to say that Bitcoin is the one thing that will separate money and safety. It is our best chance at freedom for humankind.
26: My name is Isaiah Jackson, and I'm the author of Bitcoin in Black America. Over time, we've seen that humans can be pretty shitty sometimes, and when it comes to the financial markets, we've seen this play out with fiat currency. I love Bitcoin because it's a chance for us to trust in math and technology instead of the decisions of humans we may or may not have elected into office. And I think over time, Bitcoin will be seen as the best form of peaceful protest.
11: Hi, my name's Raul Pal. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Real Vision and also the founder and publisher of The Global Macro Investor. Bitcoin, it's a call option on the future.
28: I'm Lynn Ulbricht, mother of Ross Ulbricht, whose vision proved that Bitcoin could be used as money and took it from obscurity into the worldwide phenomenon it is today. For that, he is serving a double life plus 40 year sentence without parole for all nonviolent charges. Now, Bitcoin has been called a medium of exchange, a store of value, a scam. But as Ross writes, Bitcoin equals freedom. It is a technology with the power to make abstractions like peace and equality into reality. To the Bitcoin and crypto community, Ross says, it's up to us to embody the ideals Bitcoin was founded on – privacy, decentralization, empowering individuals, and be role models for the ever-growing crypto community. And finally, Ross writes, I'm so excited for what's to come in the next 10 years for Bitcoin and all its crypto cousins. I just hope I can come home and make up for these lost years and show everyone where my heart truly is. Please help us bring Ross home. Go to freeross.org, sign the petition, learn more, and help how you can. Thank you. This is
16: Hester Peirce from the US Securities and Exchange Commission. As always, my views represent only my own At a time when so many people seem to be looking to government to solve all of their problems and answer all of their questions, it's really refreshing to see a community built on organic voluntary coordination among individuals. I do hope that by the time the 500th show airs, the SEC will have put its ear to the ground, listened to those grassroots springing up and provided the guidance that I and so many others have been Calling for so that innovation in this space can continue to flourish.
1: All right, I hope you enjoyed that. I know, look, it's a little bit self indulgent, but I just thought it'd be a bit of fun. It'd be good to hear all these different opinions on Bitcoin, and it was quite interesting how broad and varied they were. As I said in the intro, look, I'm so grateful to everyone who's helped me make this show the sponsors, the guests, the listeners. Honestly, I feel so lucky to have done this. The show came at a time in my life when I really needed something. And uh, yeah, I've just had the most amazing last three years. I'm looking forward to making another 250 episodes. If you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Take care, and I will see you soon.